You're listening to Phone Booth Fighting, your weekly source for mixed martial arts talk and talk of the world beyond. With myself, Richard Hunter, and the two-time UFC heavyweight champion, Frank Mir. Now, I pretty much say that every week when we start the show, Frank, but this week, well, for the first time, because I couldn't technically say it in the past and be truthful, uh... You listen to the number six ranked podcast on iTunes Top Ten Sports Podcast. So how about a big hand for us? Yeah. Huh? And to celebrate, I told you we we're going to have a little celebration. You said you wanted me to bring you a guest. You wanted me to come strong with a guest. I said, all right, what do you want? You said, bring us a UFC champion. I said, all right. So I give me a, a, a list to choose from, the elite group of people. And you said, no, no, I don't want it to just be a champion. I want it to be arguably the best pound-for-pound pound champion in the UFC. And I was like, ah, oh, now you're giving me a choice of, like, two guys. And then, you're like, that wasn't enough. You said, no, I want it to be arguably the best pound-for-pound pound champion and somebody who also, in their spare time, is a master of the Twitch universe. And that only brought up one name. And it's Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson who joins us. Hey, Mighty Mouse, how you doing, man? No good, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, first of all, uh, congratulations are in order to you for what happened Saturday night. I was lucky enough to be uh, cage-side there for your second first-round finish uh, in the UFC. Uh, you defeated the previously undefeated Henry Cejudo in pretty spectacular fashion. So let's start there. Uh, How would you think about the fight, the way it played out? You know, a lot of uh, people, while still picking you, thought that Cejudo might be a guy to, you know, give you a little bit more of a challenge than maybe you've had some, some, from some fighters in the past. Was that what you were expecting, or did it play out just like you thought it would? Yeah, you know, uh, it was a great fight between me and Harry Cejudo. Um, every, every single question I've fought in the past, uh, my college defenses, they all bring different challenges. Uh, we knew Harry Cejudo was a great wrestler, given his huge fact gold medalist. And other than that, you know, we just went out there and fought, and it worked out to my favor. You know, um, did, did did was there anything that, that surprised you about Henry, uh, you know, he, he mentioned in the post-fight press conference that he thought he, he might have a chance of, uh, well, not a chance. He said he really felt like he was going to dominate you in the clinch, that he would be heavy in the clinch, and it was actually when you closed the gap that you finished him. Was there anything that, that surprised you about him come fight night? No, not at all. Like I said, uh, you know, he's a good wrestler. We knew, I knew if he was going to take me down, or then for my inside trip. Um, so I'm the type of fighter that, you know, everybody's like, oh, don't wait, you know, make sure you work your take down the fence, make sure you do this and this. And I'm like, you guys are training, speaking of fear. You know, you're, you're scared to be taken down. And I was like, dude, what are you going to do? You're going to take me down and what are you going to do? Push me in the face? I'm not worried about that. So, yeah. you know, I wanted to close the distance, get my hands on him, get him in my clinch, and then shoot and work from there. Where do you think this ranks on your list of, of wins? Um, we're at, uh, are we at 10 now in the UFC? I'm trying to think of where we're at. What, what, does this, what number is this for you? Have you been keeping track? Is it 9 or 10? I think it's 9 or 10. I'm, I, I'm not keeping track. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. I'll, I'll look it up for you. I, I should have been armed with that stat. I'll look it up for you. But but I'm thinking about, you know, what, what was kind of at stake in terms of 
the big stage. I mean, you, you've headlined pay-per-views before. You're notorious for you know being the guy who has to step up short notice whenever a, um, a main event has fall, fallen out that maybe you were the, the co-headliner on. And then this one, of course, John Jones stayed on the card, but it was a late-minute replacement opponent with OSP. So, you know, especially with Cormier being out, I think a lot of people were looking at the card going, okay, well, this is going to be the fight, uh, uh, Johnson and uh, Cejudo. So given the, you know, the magnitude of the stage that you were on, where do you think this ranks in, in terms of your octagon victories? It's definitely up there. I mean, uh, to get on a point like that, especially who's undefeated, he never suffered defeat or suffered, you know, getting work in his, uh, in his, in his realm, especially when he thought he was going to be more dominant. I think it's up there, but, you know, all like how the things are up there, they're all great I have a question for you. Going back to what you said earlier, you talked about, you know, everybody and, and myself included, when you prepare for fights, you prepare for what the other guy is doing well and you, and you work out game plans. And of course, you stated you were aware of it, but it seems like you keep a very razor sharp mental focus on sticking to what you do well also and not being distracted, being aware of what the other guy does, but not being distracted by it. How is it that you keep your mind so focused at the task at hand and not get leered off by the fact of what the other guy does so well? I try not to focus on what they do, you know, but if I'm sitting there and I'm in an octagon and I've seen so many other fighters focus on what the other player does so well and then they almost figure about their game or figure about their fighting. Um, and I feel if I just go in there and do my thing and not what the opponent's going to do, then my game's going to flourish. My game's going to give their game problems because I, I believe I'm a well-rounded fighter and I can fight anywhere. So, you know, yeah, that was a big, his stronger area I thought was his clinch. And if you put somebody here that you're comfortable, and you always want to put people when they're uncomfortable. Do you like, ever find at times uh, your mind? Do you ever find at times your mind drifts? You know, it's hard to stay. You know, you ever sit there and and the the heebie-jeebies or whatever. You start worrying about you know you know Henry Cejudo, for example, being a gold medalist, you know, uh, Olympic champion in the clinch, and you were able to stay so focused at what you could do well there and not being drifted. Did it ever at times? Did your mind ever stray away? And then you have do you have any kind of system that you bring it back, or you just are able to shut out that outside noise? I, I shut it off. You know, I shut it off. Yeah, I fought guys who are rated, who supposedly are way better strikers who have way more power than I do, and I, I stay there just because I feel open so much more stuff open. It opens way more things, and, you know, it just seems to work for me, and I just think that's what you get for being uh, such a well-rounded fighter and being able to fight anywhere. Demetrius, let's talk about what's next for you uh, because, you know, I heard Dana White talking away Saturday night at that post-fight press conference that I got to say, I've never heard him talk, even when it came to greats like like Anderson Silva, when when we in the media would say, well, gosh, who, who's left for him to fight? You know, he'd say, well, we're, you know, the, the, trust me, there's, there's contenders here, there's contenders there. But it seemed like Saturday night with you, not only was there talk of, are you going to do a super fight, move up and fight Dominic? Cruz, but they're just, I mean, I'm reading between the lines, but it just seemed like there, there was maybe a little bit of exasperation with Dana in terms of, I don't exactly know what we're going to do with this guy next in the flyweight division anyway. So let me ask you about the super fight first. Uh, I, I, I know you'd probably like to avenge that loss, especially now that Cruz is, uh, is the Bantamweight champion. So how realistic of a possibility is that for you? And if so, how soon could it happen? It all depends, you know. Donald Cruz has this thing going on at Bantamweight. You know, he got uh, a lot of great contenders up there. You know, with TJ, Azamar Sterling is on the right favor. Uh, Thomas Amina, Cody Gambrin. So he's got a list of full guys to go on. So you know, with me, you know, I, I've beaten everybody in my division so far. Uh, but who knows? Who knows what's next? You know, I know for me, I'm just staying focused 
on staying healthy, keep on continuing to learn, and get back in the gym. Do you see more of a situation that right now you keep just doing what your job is as the 25-pound champ of the world, extend your victories, keep putting yourself inside the history books, and maybe that's something that, like we see in boxing where you have two guys of two different weight classes, but towards the end of their careers, then they might make that jump up to make that super fight. Because it seems like after those super fights, what's left? What happens afterwards? Exactly. You know, yeah, what, what, what does happen afterwards? And that's, that's one of the things that keeps me in the back of my mind. Uh, but, you know, I think if I go into a super fight, I think it'll give UFC time to find the next best thing or the next contender for the fire division. I mean, you think about it, I'm, I'm just as active as, you know, the contenders are in the fire division. So I'm, I'm putting in work as a champion. But I'm always up, I'm, I'm up for going to, you know, super fight the money's right and, and everything makes sense. Uh, no one's doubting that you'll be able to fight anybody anywhere. You know, that's just the type of person you are. Just It seems like it's, just, it's to your uh, benefit right now just to keep putting victory after victory, eclipsing record after record, and just that way just really putting your stamp on the fact that you are one of the best fighters in the world ever to step into the octagon. Yeah, I agree. I would love to keep on doing it. That's my plan. Um, but, you know, you just see the fans always want to. They're like, we don't care about you fighting at 5 anymore. We want to see you fight at down. We want to see you fight 35 on dude. Well, we're waiting at 137 this morning. Quiet, quiet. <laughs> yeah, that's something, too, that, you know, that, you know, not to diminish your abilities. Obviously, pound for pound, you're right there in argument with anybody's list. You know, there's no way that no anybody's not going to take you into consideration for one of the best right now in the world. But guys don't realize, when you go to college, guys, there's a weight, there's a five-pound weight class jump between weight classes. You go on boxing, sometimes it's three, four, five pounds between weight classes. Here in the UFC, they'd be asking you to step up and fight 10 pounds heavier than what your natural weight would be to fight at. That's a, a tall list to ask of anybody. I think it just takes away from it. Look at what you're doing as your dominance and just you know, let the guy just be the champion at 25 and keep dominating and stop talking maybe about trying to move him up and just look to you know to to cause just entertainment yeah yeah you you you, you said it you said it frank <laughs> well, I agree with you, well demetrius what what do you make right now of uh the decision by the ufc to can they they very abruptly canceled the uh flyweight season of the ultimate fighter they had open workouts planned and i'd gotten the press release saying hey you know media come come be at uh this uh location at this time I mean, everything was kind of all set and then it was just sort of abruptly canceled no official explanation has been given of that but but given the fact that what was going to be on the line as the prize was that you would get a title shot against demetrius johnson that's that's how much he's cleaned out the division is they were going to have to have a game show to figure out who was going to be the next title challenger and then it was abruptly canceled do you take that as any kind of concern for the future of the division, Demetrius? No, not at all. I think the UFC, you know, they ran into like a summer block possibly to figure out what they're going to do next and they might have pulled it and they might want to see how this fight would have played out because who knows, I, I probably sort of lost on Saturday and soon as you know, I'm like, dude, this all looked up so many things. You know, we need the rematch with Johnson or we need to do the fight with uh, Josh Benavides because those two don't like each other. Shoot, who knows, John Dotson really came back down. Uh, I, I think they wanted to see what happened, what played out, you know, uh, April 23rd, that night, year 297, to see what what they would take forward, um, what direction they will take with this fire division. So um, I won, and I think I'm very marketable. I'm still building my brand in different areas in this, and not in different areas, not in different areas, in the special areas, but different areas in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure they'll call themselves else.
Well, it's certainly they've got to give you uh, a chance to break that all-time uh, title defense record that Anderson I holds. I mean, that's criminal if they don't give you a chance to, to do that. Even if you are moving up or you come back down or whatever, maybe you're two-weight class champion, that will remain to be seen. All right, Demetrius, just a couple more questions for you. Um, I, first, I want to ask you, and, and uh, it's kind of for Frank's benefit too, because uh, he's here. We do the show each and every week here at uh, Stately Mirror Manor in uh, suburban Las Vegas. And it's many a time that uh, I get all the gear set up and then I might have to wait a, a few minutes because Frank is gaming on his uh, <laughs> Xbox or PlayStation or whatever. And I know you are uh, you are the MMA king of Twitch. So explain that to Frank. I mean, Frank knows a little bit about it, but do we need to set up a Twitch channel for Frank? Is that a good idea? Well, if Frank wants to interact with his fans while playing video games, absolutely. I mean, Twitch is a great platform for... I use it for me to interact with my fans, uh, to let them see a different personality for me, because the only time they get to see my true personality is when I'm actually fighting, and that's just me going out there, not, you know, talking to the crowd, just going out there and throwing hands, throwing knees, and just trying to destroy my opponent. So with Twitch, it's a great atmosphere, uh, depending on how you build your channel, to hang out with your, fan, with your fans, and I love it, and if, if Frank wants to, you know, give the tips on how to do it, you know, just hit me up. Yeah. Okay. It kind of goes into then the question I wanted to ask you. I, for one, start off with I'm very happy that you've stayed true to yourself, that you haven't tried to create any kind of persona that's outside of who you are. You're uh, you, a, lot, a lot of times let your actions speak for themselves inside the octagon, and that's pretty much the champion that you have uh, embodied and represented. Has there been any temptation, though, for, for people to sit there and go, well, there are guys that are more colorful certainly less successful in the octagon than you are, but they get more attention at times. Is there times that you feel of crossing over? You know, I, I feel that the way I'm going about doing it is the best way I feel comfortable doing this way because I'm not trying to portray somebody that I'm not. And I think with me just being, you know, a class act guy, a guy who likes to play video games, who likes to goof off outside of the cage, you know, uh, I think that's a perfect way that way when if I was being a sick guy, running my mouth, trying to get all this attention, doing things here and there, and then when I wanted to turn that act off, people were like, whoa, whoa, wait, who are you again? Mm-hmm. I agree with that. See, I think Demetrius yeah. is is one of the most genuine guys in the UFC. Absolutely. I think, I think if he tried to front like that, it would be like, you know, if, if he could get on TMZ for getting arrested, it'd be like for jaywalking or something. We'd all look <laughs> at it and go, oh, see, he meant to do that. He did that on purpose. This is an act. Yeah, I don't <laughs> buy this. Okay, so one more for you, Demetrius. Um, I, I've actually been waiting to, to create this little uh, uh, think tank here because uh, uh, I uh, Demetrius... Uh, uh, a few months back, I heard him talk about, and I think it was in studio with me, and, and he brought this idea up, and it really got my wheels turning. I heard Demetrius Frank say that he wanted to, uh, maybe after he's retired, uh, diversify his investments by opening up a strip club called Chicken Strips, right? <laughs> okay. Now, Chicken Strips, go ahead and explain the concept before we move Please further. Please do. Page. Explain to, because I don't know if you know this, Demetrius, but Frank, you know, uh, before, even to a, while he was still fighting in the UFC, was head of security at the Spearmint Rhino here in Las Vegas, so he knows how to run a top-notch strip club. So tell him the concept of Chicken Strips. Yeah, so basically the concept of Chicken Strips was something I wanted to do when I was in high school. And I wanted to, uh, I was having fun with it. And they, I needed to do a final project, so I said, you know, I'll make a strip club. Basically, it's the first strip club ever where you get all you can eat chicken strips 
um, you didn't work out the pipe and you get lab based stuff. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's as far as it is. It was just, you know, I thought, and I remember brought it up. I was like, what were you, you going to do? And I was like, well, I was in high school doing architecture drawing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he even had like a little scale model of it. No, it's good because if he ever does open it up, I know to go ahead and invest in uh, baby wipes. For the grease. The girls are going to be definitely need somebody in the back. Because <laughs> lab dances and chicken fingers, like, I'm seeing a lot of greasy uh, derrieres. Yeah, and you know what? You could call like, you, the, it said the VIP room, it could be like the deep fryer. Or you go up to a guy and go, hey, man, were you touching that girl? You're like, no. And you look over and you're like, dude, she has hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, buddy. <laughs> the handprint's right there. <laughs> All right. Now, I pitched Demetrius another idea to, uh, off of this one, and I, I'm not sure what kind of uh, – I'm not sure what he thought about it. So I'm going to get your thoughts here, Frank. I suggested an idea. Maybe you launch chicken strips first. You see how successful it is. Then he opens another niche. Oh, club, no. Are okay? you going to go vegan with this? <laughs> no, no. No, no. Not at all. I'm a vegan, uh, uh, Demetrius, so he always knows i got an agenda. No, it's not that. I suggested he open a strip club called – Fly strips, okay? And that's a strip club where he guarantees that every dancer weighs in under 125 pounds. Yeah, but mm. you got fetishes. I got to tell you. Oh, it's the same thing he said. It's the same thing. He shot my idea down the same damn way. Ugh. You know, I mean, you know, you'd be surprised how many times I've walked a girl over to a customer who I, in my opinion, thinks she's a 10. Yeah. And like, nah. And then, you know, the girl that finally, I'm like just looking around. I'm like, oh, you come here. Yeah. You're not doing nothing, you know. Just put your glass eye in and, you know, <laughs> strap on your, uh, oh, your, your prosthetic leg. And the guy's like, yes, that's what I wanted. I'm like, I'm like, serious. This is what you want. Like, I'm looking at the girl. I'm like looking at the guy. I'm like, all right, man. Hey, it's your money. You spend it how you like. All right. Well, who am I to say? I'm going to take Frank's expert opinion here, Demetrius. Sounds like you've got something going with chicken strips. Yeah, 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 but I do like the the fly strips. You know, I guarantee everyone will weigh under 125 pounds. I get patent that and run with it. I like it. I just like <laughs> I just like being able to market off of what you know what made you the greatest. You know, it's that flyaway top. Plus, think of the logo. I mean, you'd have like a real nasty no, great concept. You could you could have like one of those real nasty fly strips instead of the stripper. Will the girls be allowed the... to use IV bags after their weight checks? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, that's disgusting. No, that's just disgusting. You're right. Frank just took it too far, Demetrius. I'm sorry. He he just uh, crossed over a line there. All right, man. Listen, um, hey, we really enjoyed the time, and I uh, appreciate you getting on with us so late here and everything. Uh, we've been wanting to get you on the show for a long time. We talk a lot about you, and uh, uh, you know, we both think you're just one of the greatest fighters going. Absolutely. So keep us posted, man. When we, when we kind of get a uh, – if you don't mind, come back on with us whenever we get the next fight made or something like that. We'd love to preview that with you. Yeah, man, absolutely. I'm sorry you guys are just so damn, so damn long. There's so much stuff going on, but I'm really glad that we were able to make it happen. Absolutely. Maybe next time you're out, we'll we'll get it together in person. Let's tell everybody how they can find you. I want to make sure they know not only the, the usual social media stuff like Twitter and Instagram and all that, but explain to everybody how they can find you on Twitch if they're a gamer and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You guys find me on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv slash MindingOffUSC125 and uh, hit that follow button. You get all the notifications when I go live. Play some games with him. All right, Demetrius. Hey, great talking to you, man. Thanks again for the time tonight, okay? Absolutely, guys. Thank you, Frank and Richard. Have a good night. All right, man. You too, man. Thanks. So there goes Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. I like that guy, Frank. I do too. I, I do. Agree. I do. I think he's uh, – you know what? If you're not enjoying what he's doing, you're really missing out. 
I mean, you know, they're, they're, and I think it's kind of borderline inexcusable anymore because, you know, there used to be a time where the, the sport was, was new enough that, okay, yeah, you're, you're not going to get very many uh, people that are educated fans, but there's just not as much of an excuse to be completely uneducated. Not I think, at all. Anymore. And as they're commentating, they're breaking down what he's doing. You're seeing it and it's explained and he's doing it over and over again, fight after fight. You know, the other thing too that bugs me when I hear people say that, well, you know, just the size of the guys. I'm like, uh-huh. what does it matter? They're the same. They're evenly matched and it's technique for technique, slipping a shot, taking yeah. it down, setting up moves. It's it's martial arts, you know. Well, you know, my, my idea for Demetrius Johnson to really put himself over is with a uh, reality show where it's called something like Demetrius Johnson Bar Fights. And he just goes into some some you know biker bar where you know it's filled full of people who the uneducated fan looks at and goes, well, that, that's a man, that's a bigger guy, you know. Right. And then watch uh, Demetrius local bodybuilding just, gym. Yeah, and right. then just watch Demetrius wipe the floor with him, you know. And uh, I think you get a little respect that way. Anyway, fun to uh, fun to have him uh, on. I mentioned at the top of the show what what. Uh, Hadn't really uh, gotten a chance because we had him right on off the bat. Did I blow your mind when I uh, told you about our uh, our iTunes stats today? I did. I was yeah. really uh, shocked when I, I saw the text come in actually earlier today when you, you screenshot and sent it to me. I didn't think anybody was listening. Now no. we're really going to have to pay attention to this thing. Damn it. <laughs> well, I have to watch what I'm saying a little bit more. <laughs> no, you know what I was thinking? This is the first time in your life that you've been a higher-ranked podcaster than you are a UFC fighter. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> <laughs> you're number 10 in the heavyweight division and you're number six on uh, the iTunes uh, list. There you go. So yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't it be weird if like, you know, decades and decades from now, that's what you became known for? People say Frank Mir and they'll go, oh, the podcaster? Right. They'll be like, yeah, yeah, very successful podcast. Did you know he also was a mixed martial arts fighter? <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, the uh, we got some news today. The uh, UFC 200 main event has been announced, and no, it doesn't have anything to do with uh, with Conor McGregor, at least for right now. We'll get into that momentarily. I do want to tell everybody though that uh, we're Snapchatting the show tonight. In fact, it's the first ever uh, girlfriend takeover of our phone booth fight Snapchat uh, here on the show. Have you noticed that there's all these takeovers going on? This is a new term. It's uh, like the UFC. The UFC just had a, uh, a, a takeover of Good Morning America. It's a new buzzword to use. I just Take drove. Over. Yeah, I drove by the Tropicana the other day here in Vegas and saw that uh, Fifty Cent was taking over the pool on Saturday. It's like it's. It seems to be a hipper phrase for appearance. You know, it's like, yeah, uh, you know, Team Alpha Males, the takeover of the UFC's Twitter feed or whatever. So anyway, uh, that's uh, that's that's a word we're co-opting here. So I, I let my girlfriend run the Snapchat uh, takeover tonight. So if you're new to our Snapchat, we just launched it last week for the big road trip to L.A. Our username is is phone booth fight on Snapchat. Check us out at phone booth fight. So Jennifer's uh, handle in Snapchat for us. That is as soon as she charges up her phone. She showed up to her first uh, uh, takeover gig with a dead iPhone. So we gotta we gotta charge it up. Not Apparently, exactly. No. I don't think she was actually knowing what she was walking into, though. Well, she knew. We had a production meeting. She knew. Anyway, <laughs> what, um, what happened? To you guys' production meetings? 
Well, apparently <laughs> one of us wasn't paying attention. I don't know. We'll get into that later. The fight is uh, official between John Jones and Daniel Cormier. Frank, it's going to take place at UFC 200 July 9th at the brand new T-Mobile Arena here in Las Vegas. John Jones has opened as a 3-1 to favorite over Daniel Cormier in their rematch. He defeated John Jones, of course, uh, famously the first time around. And uh, it was D.C. that uh, ended up being the light heavyweight champion after Jones was stripped of his title following his outside the octagon troubles. And D.C. fought Anthony Rumble Johnson for the vacated title. D.C. got that belt. And now it's actually John Jones who is going to be hoping to hear and new as opposed to and still, although he is the interim UFC heavyweight champion. So I guess what they're really doing is just unifying the title. Undisputed. And now. Yeah, and now. Maybe it's going to be and now. Undisputed. Well, you still wouldn't know, would you? For the winner. And now. Right. Undisputed. Yeah. I guess you're not going to know until they uh, announce the uh, the first name of the winner. Anyway, that's going to be uh, UFC 200. Um, I have a feeling we'll know before that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we will. Uh, Conor McGregor is uh, is out, and you know, you and I were talking on the show last week. Uh, actually, the the ride home from from L.A. in the car about what we thought might be up with uh, with with Conor McGregor, and I think you and I both agreed at the time that. Um, Maybe there's still room for him. I mean, crazy as it sounds, this is the most stacked card in the history of UFC events, but there's 10 fights on it, which means there's room for a couple of more. Do you think there might still be a possibility that they let Connor on this card, even though Dana's swearing up and down they won't? Well, I told you, I, I, my theory is it depends on how ticket sales go. They're doing right now the media tour, and I think at the end of the week the uh, tickets will go on sale, or have they yet? I think they're about to. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw the... the uh, the email, the release that they're yep. going on sale this week. Yep. So I think that after the uh, press tour with uh, Daniel Cormier and John and, you know, and everybody else that's on the card, they're just going to pay attention to see how it's going. And, uh, you know, if it needs a, uh, an adrenaline boost, you know, that EpiPen to the thigh, then uh, I feel that that's Conor McGregor. I think that's you know? a, yeah, I think that's a good theory. I mean, I, if Dana White were here, he'd be telling us to get lost. Yeah. With that. But, but I think that does make some sense. And you know what? <sighs> This card is, it's just, if it's a victim of its own circumstances, just because Conor McGregor was originally announced for it and now he's not. If he were not announced for this card and if there was no expectation of having him on this card, you would look at it and think this is the most awesome thing I've ever seen the UFC do. You, oh, absolutely. You agree with that? It kind of works in the reverse of what how Jen, you know, my, my Jen, yeah. uh, she'll come home and she'll purchase something and I'll look at it and go, how much? She's all three grand. I'm like, oh, are you serious? She's no, 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 two grand. I'm like, really? She's no, it's only a thousand bucks. I'm like, oh, okay. And I sat there and I'm like, dude, you, you just kind of Jedi mind tricked me right there. Yeah. And this is a situation where it's actually the quite reverse, where you know, you had Conor McGregor, you know, trying to redeem his, uh, you know, avenge his loss to uh, Nate Diaz. You know, we were gonna have. 10 weeks of buildup and sound bites between these two leading up to it. And now we don't. And so I think that's what you're saying is, you know, a victim of the fact that we were expecting one thing that was of such a high caliber and not that any of the fights are any less caliber, if not even more as far as what they actually represent as the caliber of fighters that walking into the uh, octagon. But as far as the media attention, really no one's, you know, no one has that X factor, just like how Connor and, you know, Rhonda has yeah. right now going into, uh, you know, currently in the sport. Well, let's not forget that Daniel Cormier and John Jones know how to sell a fight. 
And even though we've already seen it once, the animosity between those two has not waned at all. We're going to hear it all over again. Daniel Cormier may throw a shoe again. Uh, no, they generally dislike each other, yep. and they both have titles. Yep. I mean, if you, if Connor didn't exist in this universe, I'd tell you that this is the biggest thing they could possibly put together. Mm -hmm. The biggest grudge match right now I can imagine going into uh, to UFC 200. But there's just no way that I guarantee you right now, if we split the uh, a press conference in half and we had Connor and uh, Nate on one side and you had John and DC on the other, um, come on, where would you be sitting? Well, the numbers uh, played that out. You know, the they did the uh, the press conference from Madison Square Garden uh, yesterday of uh, with John Jones and uh, Daniel Cormier. Did you hear any of that, by the way? No, I didn't pay attention. Uh, we probably ought to play a little bit of that while we're uh, while we're doing the show. But uh, yeah, he. Um, I guess that's gonna be my job more now. <laughs> you have to start sending me stuff to pay attention to. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to my world. Um, <laughs> you know, John Jones uh, and Daniel Cormier uh, squared off in in typical fashion uh, yesterday at Madison Square Garden and did their trash talking. But but uh, early indications were that it was um, uh, nowhere near the the presence uh, you know that they had when um, when Conor McGregor's last press conference took place in terms of the numbers, in terms of the number of well, people I mean that were uh, were watching. I mean, that's a great indicator. I mean, I think most people that run a business, they have a metric on, uh, you know, on viewership and, and who's clicking on buttons and who's viewing. And that in itself, I mean, you can sit there and argue back and forth all you want, but it's hard to, 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 to uh, deny the, uh, the, the absoluteness of <laughs> numbers. Yeah. Well, you know, we take a look at this, uh, at this card, uh, how stacked and how deep this thing is. First of all, even if it just stays, Dana said they're still working on it, so they're going to add a couple of fights. It's just a question of are they closer to the bottom of the card or closer well, to the top. Well, the fact that they haven't added the two more, I mean, not that guys don't pull out, but I would hate that they, uh, I think they, they're, they're leaving room. I, mm -hmm. I think that's already kind of a sign. Yeah, they probably need a little uh, insurance policy fight. Well, I mean, could you uh, imagine? There, I mean, right? if you're a younger guy, mm -hmm. you're you're booked and you're billed to go ahead and fight on UFC 200. You know, even if you're the very first fight of the night, you know, but that's still that kind of recognition, you know, in your career is going to be, uh, you know, uh, irreplaceable. Mm -hmm. uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they got to put a, you know, Connor gets as a late placement with, a, you know, uh, Nate, and now they bump you. So actually, the UFC 200 tickets go on sale today as we air. This is going to uh, post on Friday. We're sitting here Thursday evening in Frank's backyard doing the uh, podcast. So that's the answer to that question. You want to hear some highlights from the press conference? You want to hear see if if uh, if John Jones and Daniel Cormier have mended fences a little, maybe have become uh, <laughs> friendly. Let's uh, let's give a listen here, Frank. Turn the other you guys down. ready to see DC get his ass whooped again? Oh yeah, we're gonna send him back and send him crying. It's gonna be a good one. Hey, listen, we all saw your bum ass fighting on Saturday. You show up like that, I'm gonna beat that ass. All right. I saw you struggling with Ovid St. Prue. You show up like that, bum. I'm gonna whip that ass. Hey. I'm gonna whip hey. that ass, bum. I'll wait. You're a bum. Hey, so I'm a bum. I'm a bum that took your undefeated record. Yeah, you beat me. But you're a bum. I saw you last week, bum. I hey. watched you. DC, DC should have a lot of confidence, you know. Um, outside of me, he's the next best thing. You know what I mean? He, he can beat these other guys. He can't beat me. You know, DC, um, I believe, you know, I believe 
I don't believe greatness is a coincidence, you know, and I don't believe DC's great. If he was great, he would have beat Kale Sanderson in college. If he was great, he would have made weight at the Olympics. If he was great, he would have beat me the first time. You know what I mean? I've never lost a fight. So um, he, let him be confident. He, he, can, he can beat these other guys all day. He's not beating me. I'm not changing anything. I'm going right at his ass. I'm not changing nothing. I will tell him right now. Last time, last time I, I didn't take John down as many times as I wanted to. This time, they're going to say fight. I'm going right over there to take him down. You, you guys didn't take me down at all. I'm going to hold his ass down for 25 minutes. I'm going to take him down and hold him down for 25 minutes. Sean? Hey. Your response to that? DC's been lying to you guys for a long time now. I'm lying. Hey, listen. <laughs> I'm lying. DC told you guys, and I quote, I'll take John Jones down 10 times out of 10 times I if I want to take him down. I said 100. I said 100. Right? Don't quote wrong. So far, we're 5 to 0. You me. didn't take me down five times. I've idiot. taken you down five you times. You took me down three times. I've taken, listen, last time I, I foot swept you, held my hand on your head like you're my bitch. Hey, what about when I threw your punk ass down? <laughs> hey, John, John, hey. That, that, is, hey, that is your highlight. I hey. slipped. I slipped at the end hey. of the round. Hey. <laughs> and this guy's supposed to be the Olympian. There you go. <laughs> Do you think that there is a re there? There's first of all, I think Daniel Cormier is one of the best analysts going. It's not like he has a hard time stringing a sentence together. Not at all. But when it comes to the trash talking, he is either respectful of a line that he doesn't want to cross, or he's missing a golden opportunity because. I would fare far worse in a fight with John Jones and Daniel Cormier would, but I'm kind of thinking I might be able to do a better job of um, <laughs> causing emotional some, hurt. <laughs> I would have to go over there on that, but I think that there's a lot to be said about that. Yeah. Uh, I think it goes two folds. One, you know, a lot of times talking trash before a fight as a fighter, you know, that, that's scary because you're going to have to eat those words afterwards. Yeah, I've heard you say that uh, before. Yeah, you know, that's something you've always been conscientious yeah, it's like, of. You know, guys say stuff, it's like, yeah. You know, so th there's a part of me that actually respects the bravado of a guy like a Dominic Cruz. Yeah. I think is phenomenal at it. You know, yeah. he sits there and just, you know, that conference or that sit down he had that one time I was watching With him TJ and TJ was just unreal. It was like a deconstruction. Oh, man. Yeah. But had he lost the fight, yeah. and he knows that as he's saying it, Dominic's an extraordinarily intelligent guy. Yeah. So as he goes into that mode, getting ready to go to that route, he knows that it means that you know the price of getting his ass whipped is only going to be that much higher. Yeah. So it takes some. Uh, it, it takes guts sometimes to go ahead and do that. Then I think the other thing that you just said there too is there might be a little bit, you know, when you said the line, you know, they would say, you know, poking the bear. Yeah. There might be a little bit to that to where, you know, he's out there, he has to fight him. But at the same time, you know, um, it almost sounds like there's uh, that apprehension can be maybe, you know, considered fear. Yeah. But I mean, and rightfully so. I mean, the matchup, I mean, that's the, sometimes the, <laughs> the shitty part about being a smart fighter is that we can do the math. And then, uh, I can sit there and look at the guy across me and go, okay, statistically, I'm going to have a hard time. Mm -hmm. His reach, speed, strength, experience, whatever. We can go across the board on what gives the guy advantages. And you're looking, man, I'm going to have a hard time with this one. You know, and Then you have to be able to kind of be like a great white shark and just roll your eyes back and just pick out the best calculation that you can go. But you just have to go swinging. You know? And then now it's time just to jump into it. And, you know, because, you know, the fight necessarily isn't won before the fight goes. I mean, a fight's a fight. Like they say, the old adage goes, anything can happen. And so, um, 
you know, I think that Daniel can look at it and go out. Not only can he, he break down and do the math that go, okay, John is uh, significantly younger. I think Daniel's older than I am. Mm-hmm. John's what, 28 years old. And so mm-hmm. there's almost a nine year age gap. Uh, he, now he's a year older than the last time they faced. Uh, the reach advantage is still, I think, a thing that gives Daniel a hard time. Um, you know, he had, even in his fight against uh, um, the guy overseas, I'm sorry. Cormier? No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, Alexander Gustafson. Uh, Gustafson, Gus, when John yes. Jones fought him, yeah. Uh, when you've seen uh, Gustafson fight even Daniel, the takedowns, I haven't seen Gustafson take Daniel down one time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it seemed like it might give him problems. So you really have a fight that mathematically, I mean, I agree with the odds makers opening up at three to one difference because you have a situation where you have the younger guy has, you know, speed and reach and uh, <laughs> the reach advantage is just not even comparable. Yeah. Um, and if you can get past that reach, you get into the clinch, it showed in their last fight that even with all the wrestling experience that Daniel thought and he, you know, the, he brought over the guy that had beaten him at the uh, former you know, uh, high-level international wrestling match. Uh, you know, so he trained you know, knowing that would be a strong suit to put John on his back, and he failed at doing it. And John now has had even more time and more preparation. Um, I think it's a tough match for Daniel. And I, I think, John, I mean, even it's trash talking. I think I agree with him that he pretty much, Daniel Cormier, beats <laughs> everybody else. Mm-hmm. I thought their first fight was competitive and maybe a little more competitive than people give it credit for. I don't think there was any question that John Jones won it. Right. It was a unanimous decision, rightfully so. Uh, as I recall, uh, most people had it 49-46. I thought there was maybe even an argument to make it 48-47. I do remember, though, Daniel Cormier telling me in that post-fight press conference that he took a round off. I'd never heard a fighter admit to that. I'd never heard him put it in those words. Even when everybody else in the room knows the obvious, and I can't remember if it was the third or the fourth round, but I remember him telling me he's breaking down it. He's breaking down round by round. Because I think I asked him, did he think it was closer than the judges had it on the scorecards? And he's going through round by round. And he goes, uh, you know, uh, round four, I took off round five, and I, you know, nobody really made a big thing out of it time, but I thought. I don't think I've ever heard a fighter say that before. Acknowledge it. Yeah. Uh, and also, too, I think, I mean, in round three, I think the kicks of John really just threw him off. I think yeah. that uh, I think that he took a bad uh, kick to the belly, and it hurt him very badly. I think that uh, it took the life out of him. If you go back and watch the fight, I don't know if he consciously took a round off as much as uh, needed to kind of gather himself yeah. not to get finished. Yeah. And, and then also, too, I mean, if you look at also, too, after how that fight ended – there's some mountains that Daniel's going to have to overcome. Um, he looked like a man who was broken mentally after yeah. that fight. I mean, his head hung that. down, shoulders that. down. I mean, that's the last experience he had facing John. And that was on a fresh slate going in there. So now you're going to have to fight the same beast again, but with that in your head. You can either rise to the occasion and try to get over it, or is it going to be too much weight on his shoulders and you know, and too much pressure? I tell you what I remember about that night, and you talk about that, about his head being hung low and, and appearing to have just been broken, was at the post-fight press conference that I was in, you know, Cormier came in, and if I remember correctly, he came in, sat down first. I had started asking him some questions and uh, did some of the other media members, and he just he got emotional. You know, he started started choking up and saying, "Yeah, you know, you just got beaten, but it's okay. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna be better." And of course, that was you know his first loss and, and all that. 
And right there, Frank, this is where John Jones does not do himself any favors. All he had to do was just let Daniel Cormier do that at that moment. And it you could not have a clearer punctuation on the fact if you were John Jones than he had just beaten a guy and potentially broken him, like he said. And he just couldn't help himself. He picked up the mic and said, all right, all you guys who bought those Daniel Cormier T-shirts, take them back now. You wasted your money, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like it's like you're you're redirecting everything right back over. Yeah, I mean, not everybody is uh, – <laughs> just because you're a phenomenal fighter in the octagon doesn't mean you're, you know, uh, yeah, know. linguistics and now uh, you can, you know – not everybody was on the debate team, man. <laughs> okay, okay. I just, know, I just know when the guy next to me is digging a hole, I don't try to wrestle the shovel out of his no, hand. No, you, you let know? people go ahead and hang themselves, right? You're like sitting there going, man, he's tying the rope, he's putting around his neck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to sit there and light the house on fire and catches someone's attention so they nope. might come and save just you. Just tell me when to kick the chair. Yeah, just to sit there and you know, get a cup of coffee and hang out. <laughs> That's you know? right. uh, That's I, right. I agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, that <laughs> obviously, you know, another thing too is I think that um, I wonder as far as fighting, when it, when it gets tough, I think, John, that's all he really has. Mm. If you think about it, John's not trying to break into any type of commentating. Mm -hmm. He's not trying to break into broadcasting. Uh, you know, I think that uh, he loves to train people. He'll be a part of the gym, but, you know, that comes back on to his ability to fight. Yeah. I think Daniel's shown that, you know, rightfully so, he's a phenomenal analyst. He is a great martial artist, uh, you know, one of the best in the world, mixed martial artists. He's a light heavyweight champ right now. Um, and really, honestly, he's just, he's the number two by a stretch. He just happens to be born during an era that the number one guy that can beat him is there you know you've seen it before in different facets of sports and wrestling and boxing where you get a guy who's just he had been born any other era or a few years before or later he would be the champion but that one guy that can beat him is that champ that's there right then and, and that's the case with john jones well i'll tell you saturday night being there at the mgm grand watching john jones dominate ovent st Prue, and he did dominate him over five rounds um that was uh that was a little more human looking John Jones. I mean it wasn't he I, I think I was I was we were talking about this when we were on our road trip to LA this past weekend, because uh, you were out of town. I was just kinda telling you what I saw and it was like all the tools were there. All the John Jones the elbows, the oblique kicks, yeah. the the creativity. It was all there, but minus maybe a certain percentage of the aggression and the pressure. And and uh, I know Dana White had said that he thought it was good that uh, that John had that that uh, fight and and I believe John said that good. himself you know that, uh, that maybe it makes it sense. sounds like the right thing to say but I honestly think it's a situation that if I was Greg Jackson I'm in the locker room I'm like all right well it's nice that I can see that you can have someone else on your mind and still whoop mm. a top three or four guy in the world you made the point yeah because I, when I think I that, said I that, think that you, when he walked into that arena yeah. I don't think OSP was ever on his radar I don't think he ever got zoned in for that fight mm. I think he went out there it looked like a sparring match to me mm -hmm. I've sparred with John before that looks like John sparring mm. it looks like he's just going out there as long as you don't do nothing crazy I'm not going to take you out mm -hmm. we're just going to go ahead and just go through this I'm going to hit you with the stuff run through my uh, my plethora a plethora of techniques mm -hmm. showcase what i can do but for the most part you know if you play nice i'm not going to take your head off 
And, uh, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with just, I think that he has been mentally focused on the guy that's had his title. I mean, think about it. He, he beats the guy. The guy goes and has a, a fight with uh, Anthony Johnson, and now he's the reigning champion. You don't think that a guy that's walked around with the title, the lightest, you know, the youngest uh, light heavyweight champ, you don't think that edges him a little bit? That doesn't kind of anger him? Yeah. You know, the, the has someone else has that strap around his waist, that guy who also then is trying to be the guy that can maybe uh, dethrone him and beat him and, and, and take down John's legacy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you were saying – that uh, when we were together this weekend, that you you basically thought that John had sort of fought to the level of his competition. Yeah, that like he it looked would, like sparring to me. That if he had fought Daniel Cormier, that or if OSP was capable of putting him right. in danger, he would have rose to the occasion. He would have risen to the. We would have seen a emotion. Yeah. Behind his techniques. And that's the difference between really, if you think about it, what's the difference between sparring and fighting in the octagon? If you watch us train, you see guys train, we train hard, we fight hard. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest differences is the emotion behind it. Right. Uh, in fact, somebody can throw the same punch at me, but when I feel the emotion behind it, I'm like, oh, hey, you know, yeah. you know is it that kind of day to day? Are we going at it? It might not be as much harder than it is when he's throwing just the technique, right. but it's that intent behind it, that emotion. And that's what I think, you know, everybody saw in John was just a lot of emotion in the fight well i i think there's plenty of compelling storylines here and uh the as i said the tickets are going on sale today as uh this phone booth fighting episode posts so the ufc is going to have a chance to see what the ticket sales do and uh, i don't care if conor mcgregor's on this card or not there just can't be much of a reason not to buy a ticket for this fight other than not having the money for it and then even that i think i would still try to find a way to uh get together the funds because listen to this card okay John Jones, Daniel Cormier, two headlines uh, is the main event. Then you got Jose Aldo and Frankie Edgar for the interim 145-pound uh, featherweight title that Conor McGregor holds. Uh, this is a rematch. It was a very closely fought uh, Jose Aldo decision the first time around. A lot of people, yeah. including myself, thought Frankie Edgar might have pulled out. Uh, I did victory. too. I did thought you? that, uh, and I gave the first two rounds to Jose Aldo. Yeah, and, but I thought rounds three, four, and five went to Frankie Edgar. He just came on and maybe just came on too late to uh, get the judges to look his way. But I think now with the confidence he has and knowing what he knows, um, I think he just comes out fast and hard to begin with. It may be not so respectful and and. Uh, Cautious, you know, there's difference between respect and a little too much caution. I think he fought a little bit too cautiously the first round or two, and that allowed, uh, you know, um, Jose to, to do well. And um, I think now this time he can come out there and I, and really steamroll him and uh, really put on a showcase for why he should be the next fight for Conor McGregor. That's your second title fight of the night at UFC 200, but not the uh, only other one because the women's bantamweight title is on the line. Champion Misha Tate defending against Amanda Nunez. I think that's an excellent fight. Uh, Travis Brown taking on Cain Velasquez in uh, a, a, a fight that is very likely to have heavyweight title shot implications. Kelvin Gestelum takes on Johnny Hendricks. Uh, Derek Brunson takes on Gegard Mousasi. Joe Lozon taking on Diego Sanchez. That's a fun one. Yep. Sage Northcutt taking on Enrique, Enrique Marin. And do you know that we had to get all the way down to Enrique Marin on this card before I can really come up with a name that is not, you know, 
maybe doesn't quite belong in the stratosphere of some of the other guys in terms of star power, current ranking, even or 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 legendary history like Diego Sanchez. Let me keep going. Takanori Gomi takes on Jim Miller. Uh, Juliana Pena taking on Kat Zingano. I don't know that there are any fighters on. First of all, most of these fighters are top ten ranked fighters. I just went through ten fights. Most of them are in the top 10. I don't know that any of them would be outside the top 15 except Sage Northcutt and Enrique Marin. I mean, obviously, Sage is uh, is still a, a ratings juggernaut, but I'd have to look up their rankings. I could be shortchanging them. Uh, when can you, when have you ever been able to say that about a UFC card? Never. I mean, pretty much all those fights – on their own right, headline other cards. Yes, absolutely. At least fight night cards. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, at least fight night cards. And there's going to be two more, so uh, we'll, we'll keep you posted on uh, what's going on with that. we got to get to some Facebook feedback. We've got some comments, uh, Frank, that uh, people wanted to have us share over the air. I will tell you that uh, the Phone Booth Fighting Podcast is available each and every week either uh, in iTunes or on the Stitcher radio platform. You can also get it at phoneboothfighting.com. I know we got a ton of new listeners this week. I know we had a ton of new listeners last week, and we appreciate you guys uh, joining us, subscribing to us, supporting us, and uh, becoming a part of the Phone Booth Fighting family. We promise we're not going to let you down. We're going to bring you um, quality shows each and every week. And uh, Frank and I love doing this together, and we encourage you to follow us on social media as well, uh, at Phone Booth Fighting on Instagram, at Phone Booth Fight on Twitter and Snapchat. We're Snapchatting right now. I don't know if you notice that, Frank. It's why my girlfriend has her camera in your face. It's not because uh, she's she's trying to uh, catch you in the club so she can uh, sell her Post footage to TMZ. No, no, it's just for our Snapchat at Phone Booth Fight. You can follow him on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at the Frank Mir, and myself, Twitter and Instagram, at Richard Hunter. We also have the Phone Booth Fighting Facebook page, and that's where these comments come from that I'm about to uh, read. Are you ready, Frank, for an international edition of Facebook Feedback? Oh, there you go. International edition. Wasn't ready for that. Here we go. This one comes to us from Brian Wren, Frank. Brian says, Hi, Richard and Frank. I'm a huge Frank Mir fan. He is my favorite UFC fighter, and I'm a big fan of the podcast. Keep them coming. Uh, also, will Frank be in Vegas for the UFC 200 weekend? As I am from Ireland and have booked a holiday to UFC 200, I would love to get a picture with Frank. Thanks, and all the best from all the way over in Ireland. That's from uh, Brian Wren. And yes, Brian, we're going to do something publicly during UFC 200 Fight Week, some type of public broadcast. We haven't figured it out yet, venue That's or whatever. But yeah, we should uh, definitely do some type of remote broadcast, let everybody uh, come out and, and uh, say hi. All right. We go from Ireland to Germany. Ben checks in from over in Germany. Greetings from Germany. I just want to tell you I appreciate all the work you do. Keep it up. I love it. Uh, I'm a big fan of phone booth fighting and Frank Mir. That's from Ben in Germany. How about this one? If possible, I hope you can create a YouTube channel and upload the shows. I got the shittiest internet connection in my country and will only be able to download at 144p. Thanks. That is from Akshay Vaswani. 
and I don't know what country he's in. I emailed him back and said, what third world country are you, uh, <laughs> are you in? Because we need to give you proper credit for uh, going to the, the, the trouble to, to, to get us. But yes, uh, Akshay, uh, we are going to uh, be doing more stuff on YouTube as well. We probably need to get like a video stream going. Because I noticed when we did Fighter and the Kid uh, this uh, past week, that their YouTube channel alone, Frank, the, the video you did with them, was uh, uh, viewed, as of today, like over 65,000 times. Oh, wow. Which was awesome news for real water, because you had your real water bottle propped up right there in the front. That's I was proud of you. Nice. That was some solid product placement <clears throat> there. Our title sponsor, by the way, on the Phone Booth Fighting Podcast, Get Real at realwater.com. We appreciate their support, keeping us hydrated. All right, moving on with an international edition of uh, Facebook Feedback. Steve Corlew Says Frank, love the podcast, guys. Keep at it. Sell some t shirts. We'll buy them. Well, I think now that we have a sharp new logo, that this might be the time to crank out some t shirts. So, uh, Steve, stay tuned. We'll have some designs coming your way. More on that logo in a second. Um, Andrew Murphy checks in from Columbus, Ohio. He says, I love the podcast. I drive a truck, and I'm glad to have another quality show to add to my rotation. I roll with the guys at Ronan Training Center in Columbus, Ohio, which is owned by Luke Zachrich, and he wanted us to give them a shout-out. Well, that's your, uh, that's your youngest son's name, Ronan. Yeah, I picked that. Uh, it's a good name. It describes him well. Yeah. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a training center named after him in Columbus, Ohio. We probably didn't even know that now. Well, thanks for checking in, Andrew. We love our truckers. Truckers are great listeners to have if you've got a radio show or a podcast. They are, I, I, from my old radio days, the best guys for me, because I did a night show, much like we do. You know, we tape at night. My show was on five nights a week, and my best listeners were truckers, cops, because a lot of times they're just sitting in the car waiting for to get a call or something like that, so they'd sit and listen to the show. Okay. Uh, pizza delivery guys. <laughs> I had a lot of those. Pretty much anybody that sits in a vehicle for an extended yes, time. Yes, absolutely, and one to listen to me ramble on. So uh, thanks, Andrew. We appreciate our truckers out there. Uh, anyway, thanks, guys, uh, for checking in uh, on phone. Well, here's one question for you, Frank. I did, oh, I'm sorry, I did get to this one. Yeah, there's a bunch of these weren't questions. They were comments. No, thank you for everybody that uh, wrote in. Yeah. But, uh, Appreciate it. Uh, all the feedback and uh, see if we can go through other questions. Yeah, here's one from James Mager. James wanted to know, Frank, what do you think of Wes Sims today? Uh, uh, do we know much about him today? Yeah, it's a guy I had fought in the past. Um, right. He turned up on a season of The Ultimate Fighter a couple of years he did. back, but that's kind of, I haven't seen him no, in quite I mean, a while. Good guy. I mean, okay. uh, I'm not really aware of what he's doing with his career. I mean, honestly, I mean, I've, I've been in the octagon uh, <laughs> a lot of times. Um, uh, I can't keep up tabs on everybody I've ever faced. Do you think you could ever get to a point, and I don't mean like from brain damage, but just from a <laughs> long career, do you think you could ever get to a point? There's going to be some guys that you fought in like year one, year two, that if you ran into them 20 years later, that you could possibly be like at a cocktail party or something and not immediately recognize them as somebody you fought? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to remember, too, I started when I was 22. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it was almost 15 years ago. Yeah. And so, uh, 
<laughs> people change, grow a beard, look a little different, you know. Yeah. Uh, I've been in there quite a few times, uh, maybe a little bit to the brain damage, but <laughs> <laughs> also, too, I think, you know, I mean, I think everybody does that. You, you go to high school with people, and yeah. not everybody you're going to remember, even somebody you might have good friends with, you know. Just, yeah. It's just part of life, you know. You have kids, married, and just things go on. Trying to hold uh, tabs on everything that's happened throughout my career is, is not the easiest. Well, uh, if you have questions that you would like included on a uh, questions or comments you'd like included on a future edition of uh, Phone Booth Fighting, please, by all means, uh, post them on the uh, Phone Booth Fighting Facebook page. That's the best place to do it, and uh, we will share them uh, on the air as, uh, as we get them. All right, so uh, I promised everybody a hooker story uh, <laughs> from the brothel. That could be a, a segue from choking to... Hooker oh, story? let me tell you. You yeah. don't know uh, how close to the truth Some you are. Of, uh, well, I know right. it's auto asphyxiation. When you, uh, auto erotica. Well, auto erotic asphyxiation. That's when you do it to yourself. That is how I have promised to stage your death. Yes, Frank. <laughs> yes. Please cut me down, dude. Just cut me down. Don't leave me like David Carradine. As I got I, kids, man. As I said uh, to Frank on a previous episode of Phone Booth Fighting, he said, man, if you ever find me uh, uh, in that state, just cut me down. I said, oh, no, no, I'm stringing you up. That's the kind of friend I am. Yeah. If I have a heart attack naturally, this mofo says he's going to string me up Pull my pants down, you know what I mean? Like, yep, and and all the right hashtags yes. too on the Instagram post. Uh, so go down you, like a legend. You were, uh, you know, we, we've talked before about the fact that uh, I uh, moon, or I guess I daylight a little bit. I say moonlight, but uh, it's uh, more of a day job than anything. I wish else. the fans really. I hope that people really get to meet you. Hang out. like right now. We have a couple beers out, cigars. Yeah. He not only are you the I'm not vegan, touching any of that, but you don't not That's even right. so much a cigar. Nope. I'm not talking about we're not busting out joints. No one's nope. pulling out rails or needles or Wouldn't nothing do crazy. any of that either. But this guy is so straight edge, mm-hmm. and to work in a brothel, it's like it's unbelievable. I'm the straightest guy, you know. I know you by far. I mean, yeah. and I hang out with some pretty nerdy dudes. Sure, and uh, <laughs> by far, you are the straightest guy. Thank you, sir. Yes, that's I pride myself on that, and that's why you can trust me to run your brothel. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so so I put in a certain number of hours every week uh, handling uh, uh, re- regulating, if you will, at uh, at a brothel here in uh, Southern Nevada, and uh, we we were talking a little bit off the air about the idea of marrying the legal courtesan because some of the ladies are married. And uh, just kind of came up in conversation, but Frank, you were... And I had some great analogies. You drew an interesting analogy. I did. Well, you know, marrying a former uh, lady of the night mm-hmm. is like going down to uh, the budget rent-a-car. You know, okay. after they have their cars out there for a couple years that you can rent, you can purchase one. Obviously, it'll be high mileage. It's been abused by quite a few people. And uh, For example, that's how I got my Prius. There you uh, go. My, I got my Prius when it was about a year old, but that first year had been spent being the loaner car that the dealership gave you, you know, if yours was in for repair. So it had a uh, not a lot of miles on it, but for only being a year old, it had more miles than your average And who knows how have. bad that car has been abused? Because I, right. I, like most people, my car I treat quite nicely. You know, I yes. take it into its scheduled oil changes. I don't. You take it on vacation. Yeah, you take it shopping. I don't really, you know, drive you up on curbs. You know, my CTS doesn't go four-wheeling, you know. Uh-huh. But, you know, whenever I rent a car, not yeah. that I'm going to destroy it, but 
I'm definitely not as concerned no. about that vehicle. You're of the moment. You don't yeah. worry about calling it the next day. It's all about day. having fun and using it for my own use. I could care right. nothing about it. And so uh, you don't park it in the driveway. No, you just if leave I leave it, out it outside, other people want to spit on it. You know, hey, I don't care. It's not my car. I'm just driver's renting. side door open. No big deal. Yeah, and who knows who's been in there before me? Who's going to yeah. be there after me? But if, so, if you were to buy one of these refurbished vehicles, <laughs> I can understand that maybe you know, hey, you know, you yeah. know, uh, you want to always own a Corvette, and now mm-hmm. this is a Corvette past its prime. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's high mileage, and who knows what's been done in that Corvette before you, or wasn't done to it. But uh, you know, it's within your price range and what you're where you are in your life that this is your uh, opportunity to have this Corvette. So you get it. And so, um, you know, there's arguments to be made for that. I, you know, I, I don't judge. I was born and raised in Vegas. So, you know, uh, more than our share of people have worked, you know, nightclubs and, uh, you know, adult clubs and whatnot. Sure. I don't the entertainment I, industry. Yeah, we I don't call know it. if I've ever had a friend that married a, a straight um, prostitute. Mm-hmm. But I mean, a former prostitute. I mean, OK, you know, hey, you know, all women, you know, not all, I should say, but, you know, women, you know, and men, uh, you know, they have a history that occurred before you. you know, I guess as long as they can pass an STD test. Yeah. It's hey, not going to affect you. In defense of the, the ladies at the brothel, when you do it legal like like we do, they have passed those. They're tested yes. Weekly, yes, it's funny because you know, and test a lot more than I mean. Now, I mean, if I were, you know, if one of us were to become single tomorrow and go down to the nightclub, mm-hmm. and we were to ask some of the ladies that we were to potentially have a one night stand with, how many of them get regularly tested for uh, diseases? Yeah, who'd been tested within the last seven days? Raise yeah. your hand. <laughs> no one. Most yeah. girls only get tested. You know, I've had some pretty serious conversations with some uh, uh, female friends where I'm like. Come on, okay, whatever. You know, I don't mm. want to throw anybody's dirty laundry out there, but obviously, as a professional athlete, I get tested quite a bit. And so, anyways, we were talking about that. When you told me the story that there was a guy that came in there that is currently married, yes, to a currently employed professional prostitute. What's the correct term? What is the PC term? I can. Well, prostitute is a is a proper term, right. you know. Uh, a courtesan, courtesan is kind of a nod to uh, the Victorian uh, era. So, if you're going to marry a hooker and she's still yes. working as a hooker, that I don't get. That would be like I said, it'd be like your car is also a rental car. Yeah, you go out in the driveway to go grab it, and it's like, oh man, the kids took it out for a spin. The neighbors, you know, and then when you get it back, you know, it's not their car. They just rented it, you know, and they gave it some money. Who knows what they've done to the car and you uh-huh. know, like what condition that car's going to be in. It's and no matter how much of a state of denial you try to be in, you can't take your eyes off that odometer as you're driving yes. down the road. It's got the high mileage on no, it. No, you go sure. get in the seat, and all of a sudden the seat's a little like bigger than the last time you put it in. You're like, yeah. you're wondering, you know, like the you know, seat is. How big was the last guy that sat in yeah, here? <laughs> the seat is further back than it uh, normally is when I, I can, my feet can't reach the uh, no. gas pedal. <laughs> Do you just walk away from it when they high tower it? Do you remember the movie? Uh, uh, police Academy, yeah, and the one uh, the ex football player, oh, Bubba Smith, Bubba right? Smith, yeah, right? Yeah, he was yeah. like high tower. That's right. Yeah, so he like he can't fit in the police car, so he just rips the front seat out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you yeah. see that, and you're just like, oh man, like yeah. no, no, don't worry about it. It wasn't one guy. It was like a whole basketball team and a football team that showed up. <laughs> right, right. Well, you definitely have to be secure in your manhood. 
you know. Dude, and, you need uh, counseling if you're okay with that. There's no security. Yeah. I'm secure in my manhood. Well, There's no way I could be married to, you know, like when I, when I hear professional, like sometimes you'll watch interviews, you know, and stuff of, of, mm-hmm. of people in the adult industry that are married, yeah. you know, and they're, and they're in, the, in each other, they still do that. You know, and they're like, oh, we're just real comfortable with our sexuality and confident. I'm like, Man, there is something wrong with you. That's just not natural. I mean, I yeah. don't know. I just doesn't seem right. Like I'm a pretty confident guy. Uh, I, I not confident enough to share my wife with people. Well, you know, I'll tell you the two kinds of relationships, be they marriages or long term boyfriend relationships or whatever, that I think actually have a shot of working in that business. It's two very specific types. It's either one. A guy that just kind of wants to be taken care of, kind of like the stoner boyfriend who is just going to sit home, play PlayStation all day, and I can see that wants okay. everything paid for. No I mean, motivation, no drive, just you know, hey. Yeah, he basically is like the male version of the trophy wife. You know, I get it. He's he's now now the deal is you he, painted a really big picture. I can see the guy on the couch. Yeah. Honey coming home, you're like, oh, I just had a rough day. Go grab me the ice packs from the fridge. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he fully expects to uh, you know be taken care of, and as the lady, you better t- you're paying for everything, and that's the trade off because you're getting a guy who's not going to give you any any hassle about it. So that's one scenario. And everything you just n- named about that guy, besides the fact that he's okay with other dudes banging his girl, uh-huh. is very unmasculine in my opinion. No, it's true. Some guy sits there and lets a woman take care of. Of him and he's going to let her pay for everything and you know uh, that just you know sit on a couch no drive pretty much if you wanted to put a checklist on things yeah. that i say that make you not a man um you just nailed them all he does not know the meaning of the word chivalry no definitely not, not. no manliness um, about that individual now the second type i think that can have a successful relationship in uh the the legal sex business uh from the male perspective is the swinger the the cuckold the guy who actually is okay, sexually aroused yeah you just taught me a new word oh you don't know this term cuckold no what the hell is a okay. cuckold so cuckold tell is, me uh, do you know what this okay good I'm not the only one yeah, Angelo's uh, okay good I'm like wait a minute am I, do I sound like a retard know. that no, I don't no, know no 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 uh, cuckold now I'm gonna have to explain how I know it uh, cuckold is uh, what it is that is an an actual just not slang it's an actual term. <laughs> For someone, it's typically male, but I guess it could be female as well. Someone who is sexually aroused by watching their partner be with someone else, and probably further, more, even more so than that, enjoys the sort of uh, humiliation of it. So, in other words, like there's a whole genre of porn called cuckold porn, and the idea would be like my uh, wife. Her girlfriend, whoever, would be with a guy, you know, like a porn, some male porn okay. star or something. And I'm over in the corner watching. I've watched and, my share of pornography, yeah. just like any other uh, red-blooded American. And uh, I've never seen a category on Pornhub mm-hmm. called cuckold. Well, Am you I missing something? Yes, or? because you just hadn't typed it in the search engine. Oh, so I could type it in. Because, you know, they give you the little thing, you know, girl on girl, you yeah. know, two girls, one guy. I usually <laughs> stop right there. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I know there's other stuff beyond that, but I don't pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> well, you need to dig a little deeper into the search engine there is what you need to do. If, uh, because what what it is, so so it will there'll be a voyeuristic uh, element to it, like the guy is enjoying watching two people. But more specifically than that, he's enjoying watching his partner, you know, with another guy. And 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 here's the here's the real coup de gras. 
he's he likes the girl basically telling him how he doesn't measure up. Shut up. Yeah, for real. Like you there's a what? whole verbal humiliation side. I to now it. realize that one time earlier in my life, I thought I was getting set up to get mugged. I had a woman and a man approach me with this prospect of being with his woman. Yeah. And I like looked at them like no way in hell because I didn't think that was even conceivable. My mind goes, yeah, buddy, mm-hmm. you get my clothes off in the room. Either you're going to you're going to hurt me. Something's going to come, you know, like, you know, like, oh, that's kind of funny usage of that word. Anyways, um, <laughs> you're going to cast me with my <laughs> pants down, but you're literally going to get me to get my pants down. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I was this was when I was like, you know, 21 years old. I uh-huh. got, you know, and I, I, we were, I was out drinking with friends and this older couple came up to me. I mean, older, you know, they were she was in her late 20s. He was in his early 30s and they were even offering to pay me. And I, you know, obviously at 21, I didn't have a lot of money, and I was like, yeah. oh, so I, uh, and but the, the the stipulation was that he was going to be in the room, and I'm like, no way, I'm going to get stabbed, shot, robbed, something. Like I have nothing, so I don't, I'm not dressed nice, yeah. you know. So I, I can't imagine where this is going. But in my mind, I thought it was a setup for a mugging. I'm like, yeah, go find the next idiot, uh-huh. get out of here. Yeah, no, it turns this is out. a real thing. Yeah, and imagine and. I missed That's right, Angela. Well, he missed this opportunity, and imagine that was at twenty-one. Imagine the, the, the what girl, he, you know, she was okay. I didn't miss out on much, and okay? that that was at twenty-one. Imagine what he could charge him now if he told him that while he was banging the guy's wife, he would wear the UFC championship belt. Yeah, uh, I don't know that. Yeah, no. Hang on. Let's, yeah. Wait a minute. Let's you got me speechless, hold man. On. Let's don't poo-poo this idea just yet. I'm imagining I a little side business. I haven't needed work for the next two years. <laughs> I, I'm imagining. Uh, yeah. Let's. I haven't. Uh, we haven't negotiated fees yet. Let's. Let's see what we can get for this before we uh, look a gift horse in the mouth. Okay. Yeah, except for uh, Mrs. Mir might you know, have something to say about this whole situation. Well, uh, yeah, but but I I don't know. She might. You know, I could see put her enough money out there. First, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> she may be the biggest proponent of this before we're all said done uh so yeah no that is a thing and i'll tell you it's funny you mentioned getting that offer because i'll tell you who else i know uh gets that offer a lot is uh my friend and your hero ron Ron. jeremy ron jeremy uh gets that who i just saw last week by the way he was here in las vegas and i told him he's got to come do our podcast so he'll do it he'll do it uh next time he's here in vegas but uh yeah no he he gets that offer quite a bit like some guy be like yeah i'll just i'll just sit on the end of the bed i just want to watch you know bang my wife and that's a thing it sure is a thing and knowing from what i know about ron Mm-hmm. Uh, he has no apprehension about getting robbed or shot or killed. He jumps right into that. Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh, Ron is uh, he's like a real Roman. I mean, when you know, in terms of just uh, excess everything all the time right now. Now he's another straight edge guy. Does not drink, no drugs, nothing like that. But he cannot get enough sex and he cannot get enough food, and he loves both equally. He might love food just a little bit more, actually. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I never knew before right now that that was a thing. Yeah. See, that's that's not only do our listeners learn from each phone booth fighting uh, episode, learned. you learn. Things. I have. I've become I enlightened. Things. I've realized that there's uh, 
yeah. whole area of men that needs psychological help. For sure. So that being said, I believe that those are the two kinds of relationships that if you're going to be married to a, a uh, you know, Wait current legal prostitute, legal or illegal, I guess, for that matter, uh, but, but uh, legal for purposes of this conversation, those are the two kinds of relationships that you're are going to succeed. Now, I will tell you my personal opinion about it. If it were me, and, uh, you know, I'll just, uh, I can, I can uh, go ahead and tell you right now, if you couldn't pick this up from, uh, you know, meeting uh, my, my Jennifer, my girlfriend Jennifer, uh, has never worked as a uh, prostitute. So uh, she's, uh, she, her chosen profession is hairstyling, which, uh, you know, is uh, a little, uh, a little, a uh, lot less hands-on. You know, you're at least uh, at least outside of the the follicle realm. There's a lot of there's there's a lot of contact with uh, with the hair itself, but nothing really below that. You know, at your at your if you're working at a reputable hair salon, she's not doing any Brazilian wax. Nothing like that. No, nothing like that. So, uh, but uh, you know, I I can tell you that that from my insider's perspective, uh, spending the hours that I do at the brothel. I think if it were me in that relationship, my challenge would be this. I, yeah, I mean, the, the, the physical, the high mileage aspect of it isn't exactly uh, uh, tantalizing. But what I would worry about more than that, it's not the actual uh, act of sex as much as it is the act that you're having to put on. So in other words, if you're really going to make money in that business and you can make a lot of money on the legal side of that Sex business. A billion dollar business. Where where these guys will start to spend, and I, I am uh, not kidding you, um, mid six figures a year, a lot of them multiple years, uh, you know, consecutively, these guys will come in and spend that kind of money. I mean, I've seen, I've seen guys spend seven figures in a year before, but, but uh, it's nothing to see a guy come in and spend mid six figures year after year after year. But it's cheaper than being married. Well, and that's the thing, though. <laughs> what happens is, what happens is, oh, I'm gonna get he, trouble for that one. Good thing she doesn't <laughs> listen to the show. <laughs> he becomes he becomes emotionally attached, and that's exactly what he's thinking. That's what he's feeling. It's like, hey, this is like my girlfriend. It's like a long but distance relationship. Real. No, it's not. But once he suspends disbelief, he quits counting his money. You know what I mean? I mean, now the wallet just opens. And it's like... So the girl oh. has to be good at putting on that act. Right. And that's the part that scares me. Does that right. make sense? That's the totally. part that actually would worry you don't me be, more than It'd be than like anything. somebody, I mean, on a lesser level, being married to an actor. Yes. I could imagine, you know, married to a woman who gets paid and she's able to cry on cue. We're having a conversation. It's like, well, was that real or yep. are you able to manipulate me because you can enter into character? And not only cry on cue, but when she's telling you that you're the most wonderful man in the world, you're the best ever, you're the, yeah, then yeah. you question that. And I think that's the real trapping. See, see that on a side note, going back to my history, mm-hmm. um, how much is it, real quick, preface it this uh, statement with, um, what I thought it was, but maybe I can ask you for someone to go and spend an hour to have sex, uh, you know, nothing crazy, not getting hung up on the wall or something. You know, I don't know, none of the nutty stuff, but just, right. just normal sexual experience. Not your whole autoerotic asphyxiation yeah, I don't want to get beat, choked, yeah. nothing stuck up any parts of my body, you know, you don't have to dress up anyway, but just a normal, just, you know, vanilla sexual experience sure. with one of these ladies, what would that run you? Okay, uh, so it is going to be, you could do that as cheaply 
It depends on the lady. Let's just say as cheap as I want to do it. No, I know, but but one thing you have to oh. understand is the house doesn't have yeah. set prices. Each girl negotiates oh. her own price. I thought it was a set price. Mm-mm. So so depending on the lady, just like that car lot we were talking about, you know, there's uh, well, it's cheaper to, to to rent a Prius than it is to uh, right. go get the new Corvette. Exactly. Okay. So so depending on uh, who you're talking to and what you're going for, I mean that can be as cheap as um, you know five hundred bucks. And the hour. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, now the thing about that is half the money goes to the house. Okay. So half of everything is going to the house. So when you're negotiating with that lady, you, you're really only, she's only getting half of whatever she's negotiating. Okay. So in essence, if I had $600 in my pocket and I walked through that front door, yeah. I could have sex. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, okay. It goes on to what? Mm-hmm. So I remember. I, you know, for people that don't know, you know, when I first, uh, uh, I think I just turned 22 because uh, I uh, was training with the general manager at the Spring Rhino. Uh, that was when 9-11 happened. I was working at the station casinos mm-hmm. and uh, they had to let off a lot of people because obviously tourism took a big dive. Yeah. And so um, I got up stuck on uh, on call there for a little while, you know, and so worked very little. So he said, hey, you know, do you want to work security? And be a you know basically you know be a bouncer a host you know is what is a term that we'd call it, and so for you know for many years all the way up until after even I was a champion, I worked there. It was good money, you know, uh, you know, uh, not dangerous. Um, never had anybody shoot at me or anything crazy like that. Um, you know, it was a way of providing an income for my family besides fighting, which. And, you know, at the time I wasn't making that kind of money that I, yeah. I, I may have made of uh, the later part of my career. And so I remember sitting there and looking around and I have never in my life ever paid for anything from a woman. Um, I guess you can make a joke that inadvertently I paid because I'm married. I've gone on dates. So in essence, you know, yes, I've paid an extraordinary, a large amount of money, especially for one woman in particular. <laughs> <laughs> but well worth it. Well worth well it. Well worth know, it. Uh, Mrs. Mirror is very expensive. In fact, if we broke down how much I probably get for how much money I've put out to how many times, you know, we've had, uh, you know, been intimate together, you know, uh, she's a lot more expensive than the $500. I, sure. I went ahead and I picked up the Maserati the thing you, know? you get what you pay for right so uh that being said i remember sitting there you know and you're watching people do lap dances and stuff and it came up like you know some guy from out of town you know it's like oh man so i mean you you guys get like free lap dances for working here and i'm like nah man i don't I, i'm sitting there watching a lap dance and i gotta be honest with you i never got it i never sat there and understood i'm like man I, you know hey hanging out with a bunch of girls with their tops off you know drinking beer and you know having fun with a bunch of guys yeah bachelor party i get that that part seems fun to me as far as like, hey, people are coming around, we're all having company, it's the atmosphere, we're partying, that's cool. But to be that guy that comes in by himself, mm-hmm. goes off in the corner and pays for a girl to grind on his leg, I'm like, wait a minute, so you're going to pay, like say you go in the VIP room at the time when I worked at the Rhino, it's like $400 an hour. Plus, you had to buy drinks and alcohol, so the club got its, you know, if you want to come in here and use this, you got to buy, it's like a two-drink minimum, and the drinks, it's like, you know, an ungodly amount of yeah. money, you know, $12 for a bottle of water, you know, I mean, right. a ridiculous amount. So I just sat there, and I'm like, man, if someone would have came with me with a business proposition, go, Frank, we're going to open up a club where guys, for three minutes, can pay a girl $20 <laughs> and have her dance in front of them like, oh. Uh-huh. So, like, is that the precursor to where you pick the girl out and then you go in the back? No. 
is sex going to happen? Like, well, you know, there will be at times because of the chemistry, mm-hmm. certain guys, certain girls, it could occur where a girl's going to leave with a guy. You know, she'll call, give her number. The club, because of, you know, anti-prostitution laws, we're going to try to stop it. But, you know, once she leaves and goes home, who she meets up with later on, we can't control. And, right. yeah, you know, 3,000 guys might come through the front door tonight. Five of them might meet up with girls, you know, later on and, and have that kind of thing. I'm like... So sex is basically going to be, you know, that's less than that's we're talking, you know, 1% of 1%, right? You know, yeah. Guys are going to pay for that. Yeah. $400 an hour. Wait a minute. They could jump in their car and drive up to Chris, you know, drive. That's what I'm 45 minutes away. Come see me. Pay $500, $600 and guarantee they're going to have sex. But they're going to spend thousands of dollars in here with the potential that they might have sex. Yeah. Well, that's dumb, dude. That's never going to work. <laughs> yeah. You're like, why would a guy pay for that? Uh-huh. And that's why I'm probably not a very rich businessman. Because well, you, I didn't see the potential in that. Yeah. You left out one key detail, though. And it's that, yeah, but Frank, these guys, once they, uh, you know, once their uh, hormones start, the testosterone starts flowing, these girls are going to convince them that they really want to have sex with them and poor guys believe it yeah they just can't but boy if it wasn't for this pesky policy we had at this club boy i i should you know be paying to grind all over you that's the yeah that's the mindset <laughs> you're right because it's funny because i've always been i always tell people working in there i was always behind the curtain i never yes, was in front yes. so i really got a perspective that's right. I, I go to the back and hear Mm-hmm. what they talk about the customers yep. i get to hear what they're saying about the guys As how they smell I. how much of an idiot they are yeah. oh my god this guy bought this loan a bull this he's gonna give me this this and that i mean i remember a couple times girls got in trouble because guys would give them here here's two or three thousand dollars you know pay off the back do whatever you got to do i'll meet you and they go to the back wait a half hour what are you gonna do call the police on them yeah. you know uh, i gave this girl money to go have sex with me in the hotel and she never met me you know yeah. like what do you you know again uh, a point in my favor because at our place, if you give the girl two or three thousand dollars and tell her you're going to meet her for sex, and she doesn't show up and fuck you, you can you have legal recourse. Wow, you, you can, can actually uh, call the police. Yeah, you can call the police, <laughs> and you can also write an unflattering Yelp review. There you go. <laughs> well, it, it's funny because we had a uh, 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 one of the. Uh, what was it? The uh, tough shows ended, you yeah. know, and, and you know, the, the Dana's a cool guy. He takes the guys out to go eat. And then afterwards, you know, they take them to the, you know, the rhino afterwards, gives everybody a bunch of uh, tokens and, you know, mm-hmm. hanging out. So I'm there, you know, we're sitting out around because I'm one of the coaches and stuff. So I'm making my appearance and, uh, you know, I'm just counting down the time, you know, take off and get home. And, uh, you know, and so I'm sitting there and I'm like talking to James uh, Horn, my other James trainer, Horn, yeah. who works in the industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, one of the young ladies walked up to me and was like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, hey, what's up? You know, and I was just having a conversation like a nerd about, you know, different transitions from jujitsu and fighting. And and so the girl said something to me really just like this hurt. It was something just a really cheesy pickup line. Not that she was picking me up. She was just trying to open up the door to get me to want to pay for lab dance. I got treated like a mark, basically. All of a sudden, I realized that I'm looking at her like, oh, my God, you think I'm a customer? No, 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 no. You got to go away. Stop (laughs) wasting your time. I'm not going to pay you anything. Like this whole fake act that you have going right now. Get out of here. Yep. No way. I'm not buying this. No, you're absolutely right about looking behind the curtain. And, and I see that, too, because 
for me, and you know, I, I'm sure some guys it, it wouldn't matter to, but it's like you know, for 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 me, even if we're not entering into a long term relationship or whatever, I I have to. I guess if I know too much about you personally, and what I know personally is not good. I guess in other words, maybe you're going through a really tough time. You know, maybe you're just, you're really, you're really emotional that day. You're hiding your emotions because you're at work. But I know that in reality, you, you're, you're sad or, you know, you're, you got a lot on your mind or, or whatever. I can't suspend this belief at that point. I can't be like, oh, well, but you want to be with me. You know, if you, I see past your game face, which I guess is kind of what you're saying. And I actually find that in that business, even as, as a, you know, at times being a single person, that eliminates almost everybody for me because yeah. almost everybody Could has something going on. you single now? Well, yeah. I mean, I had to imagine it not too terribly long ago. Uh, I mean, within, you know, if I go back further than a couple of years. Oh, well, that's uh, true. I guess I don't think about that. Eh. But, uh, but, I mean, from what I see of you and Jen, you're not yes. going to be single anytime no, soon. No, no, no. We're, we're, uh, I mean, we're, we're. Until you get too old and she turns you in for a younger model, but. Yeah. <laughs> see, I'm hoping I timed it just right. It's interesting. You uh, Quick segue. But I've thought about that because my girlfriend is considerably younger than me, but not by so much that by the time I'm reaching the end of my natural life expectancy, at that, like, if I can make it to 80, she'll be right there close to senior citizen age, if that makes sense. So, yeah. I mean, she could still go on, like, our time and probably, like, be a hot commodity on there. But it's not like she's going to be 40. You know, it's not like I'm, she's Anna Nicole Smith and yes, I'm Jay not, Howard Marshall. There you go. It's not that bad. No, no, not at all. Yeah. No, but I think about that too sometimes. I yeah. go around there, you know, especially now of lately, you know, my life's been kind of turned upside down. Yeah. You know, you, you go through and you count your blessings type situation. And yeah. I sit there and go, you know, at times being married with kids, you know, like anybody who has a family that comes with a lot of responsibilities. I don't have to, you know, it isn't like I'm just looking out for myself. Every decision and act that I, I, I do you know, my children and my wife are going to bear the consequences of those actions. Yeah. But on the flip side, the opposite side of that would be is to be single. I don't even know if I'm, I mean, I've been together with my wife since I was 22 years of age. Yeah. You know, now being 36, if all of a sudden I became single, I don't know. I mean, because my friends, I have friends that are single that are my age and, you know, I hear their stories and, you know, single life kind of sucks, to be honest with you. I wouldn't trade places with them. I mean, they might have a better Friday night story than I have as far mm -hmm. as, you know, you know, every now and then. But it's consistently, my life is, you know, being a married man with children, you know, my life's better. You know, I mean, I, I try not to say that to people too often, but I mean, I think most people aspire to be in relationship with someone they love and they care for and have a family. Um, I think that, you know, just living a life of just, you know, random women and running around, I mean, on the surface, it might sound kind of cool, and I'm sure that hey, there's a few cool stories in there that you know, it's like you know, my buddies will tell me a story. I'm like, man, that is really cool. You know, mm -hmm. give each other a high five. I'll, you know, I might live vicariously through them for about five minutes, and then that's about it. And I'm like, so when that was over with, you went home and were by yourself, and you know, you woke up the next day by yeah. yourself, and yeah. you know, and then not even just that, but then they have to go through all like we're talking about that garbage of that. You know, no one puts on their f true face. Everybody wears masks when you first meet them. They put their best foot forward, and it's like you don't even know who people are. And that's a good thing that my wife and I. I mean, she knows the worst 
aspects of me, you know. Uh, I know the worst parts of her, and I know the best parts. And there is no having to fake it to each other. There is no pretending I'm someone I'm not. Yeah. You know, I can just be myself, and you know, and I get to be with somebody else. That I don't know. I guess that's the reason why. I guess long about way of saying I don't know. Being single would be rough because of just having to play that game. Do you think it helped you? I've never really. I know I've never asked you this before, and I've never really thought about it this way, but I have you you so so you have a similarity to uh, an, another good friend of mine, uh, a guy named uh, Chan Kinchla, who is the uh, he's the guitar player in Blues Traveler. You know the band Blues Traveler? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Hook and Run Around, their hits. So that band was together in high school. They all went to high school together. So it's the only thing they've ever really done professionally. I mean, they've they've been in a band that started out rehearsing in a garage and, uh, you know, ended up uh, with platinum records. But it's the same guys together their whole lives, right? And, and your career is kind of the same way. So when you talk about, like, being with your wife, you know, from 22 years of age on, at that point, you're already uh, a professional fighter. I mean, you're you're just launching your career, right? Yeah, They're well, more or less simultaneous. Very pretty close. simultaneous. Okay, yeah. my so, wife and I started dating after my first fight with the UFC. Okay, so, so she was there and watched my second fight with the UFC. Right. Okay, so some might look at it and say, "Oh, you know, it, is it tough because you start out, uh, you know, you're you're locked into that relationship at a very young age, and then fame comes along and all the rest of that. Money comes along." And you, you were never a single guy with all that. You were uh, uh, a married guy. On the one hand, somebody might look at it that way. But I'm also thinking that that might be an advantage because that way you never had to worry that the person that was with you was just with you because you Absolutely. were rich or you were famous or all those things. And imagine now. I mean, no, you When my wife about- got with me, I drove a Chevy Lumina. Uh, a 95 in 2002 uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> that the window uh the driver's side window didn't roll down and there was no air conditioning in the car and we live in las vegas yeah and so uh that's rough on the first day yeah. and when she hey, met me i wore dance skin could you, could you roll the windows up huh yeah. i can't hear you and hold I wore, on we're uh, almost to the restaurant i don't think i even owned a pair of tennis shoes i just wore flip-flops because, you know, training jiu-jitsu and stuff at yeah. the time, you know, uh, I wore sweatpants or I even had a pair of, I didn't know, realize until she notified me that those were women pants, but Dan skin, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. There was, but they were gray, loose gym pants type. I thought they were, hey, they were comfortable. They worked for me. Yeah. In fact, when we first started like dating, she wanted to go out to a club and um, I had a suit to wear to work at the Rhino, but she's like, oh, we're going to go out. We had to actually go shopping because I didn't own a button up shirt. Oh, if you think about it, you never once had to worry that somebody was interested in feigning interest in you, talking to you, chatting you up, going out with you, whatever, because of what you had or a level no. of fame that you had. No. Never had to worry no, about it in once. In fact, uh, you know, my Jennifer, she'll tell you when she first started finding out what I did. And, I, you know, I, I think I, I used the word professional fighter and mm-hmm. that didn't click but I was like, yeah, I'm in the UFC. But I mean, remember, this is back in 2002. <laughs> and so uh, she told a couple of her girlfriends, like, oh, yeah, you know, the bouncer. Yeah, I guess his hobby is Ty Bo. She thought I was basically Billy Blanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She had no clue. And that's why I invited her to watch one of the fights so that she would watch, you know, and she yeah. came there and showed up. And she's like, people buy tickets 
to watch you do this? Yeah, she was imagining you leading an aerobics class yeah, with the headset she, on. Yeah, then she watched and, me go fight yeah. Pete Williams. Yeah. And that's actually when I got the uh, phone call and conversation that she wanted to break up with me. Mm. Because uh, she thought that I was be a violent human being, and she has a kid, and yes. you know how can you know this isn't going to work out? And I was like, okay, can we just meet up real quick so we can have this conversation in person? And then you turned on the charm. I did. Yeah, yeah. I got real violent. And, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you see what I did to him? You think you're leaving me? <laughs> I will find you. <laughs> and all these years later, here we are uh, still together. And, marriage uh, built upon physical threats. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all right. Well, there's a little relationship uh, advice segment for you uh, here on uh, Phone Booth Fighting. Send your relationship questions to Phone Booth Fighting, uh, either on Instagram, at Phone Booth Fighting, or uh, our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Phone Booth Fighting. You know, we're about due uh, for another Ask Mrs. Mirror segment. Uh, I, I just I was going to tell you I saw some we've done this a couple times before where uh, Mrs. Mirror comes on and answers questions and dispenses advice and somebody posted on uh, our Facebook page the other day that they particularly enjoy those segments oh, so okay. uh, we'll keep those uh, the, I particularly am uh, nervous about those sections yes yes <laughs> especially as time goes on uh, well, like I said time. I mean if anybody of my wife ever wanted to go against me if I was ever on trial for anything and the, the prosecutor says we're calling our next witness it's Mrs. Mirror I'm like oh god no please no that's right if anybody knows my deep darkest uh, secrets it's it's her that's why you gotta leave no witnesses yes well the good thing isn't there a law though that you can't have your wife can't testify against well, you well there is a law but that's her not being willing to testify against you there's not a law that says you can keep her yeah, but from go back to what i said earlier you. about the physical threats no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no all our friends know if the police show up to the front door now uh-huh. And then someone, the neighbors walk out and say, hey, the cops showed up at the mayor's residence. They'll be like, oh, is, is Frank okay? Because <laughs> if they know Jen and they know me, if someone's getting beat in our relationship, it's going to be me. I mentioned our new logo. We got to give some credit, Frank, to uh, Ross Chester, a guy over in England who uh, runs Boss Creations. He's the guy who did the new cartoon logo for us, where you have me in the rear naked choke and I look like I'm about four feet tall standing next to you uh, in the gi. Uh, but uh, he did an awesome job of it. Didn't you it like did. that? No, yeah. I did. Very yeah. much enjoyed it. Yeah. It's, uh, you can check him out on Instagram at boss underscore creations, and he spells it B-O-S. That's boss underscore creations, B-O-S, on Instagram. You can see a lot of the work he did. He designed uh, Gary Tonin's Rash Guard, who we just right. saw fight at uh, EBI this past weekend. His website is also bosboss-co.co.uk. So check out his work if you got uh, uh, a sketch or rendering you need done or anything like that. He is the guy. I cannot recommend him highly enough uh, after the job that he did for us. All right, let's recap the media tour from this past weekend, Frank, because I talked to you. It, I have to say, I know I told you this privately, but I really admired your dedication to what we did this past weekend because I had a feeling it would be important and it could pay off and it would be time well spent. And it was one thing to tell you we should do it about six weeks before we did. Right. But when the time came around, I thought, well, I don't know how you're going to like being cramped up in a car with me and all that kind of stuff. 
But first of all, I had a great time doing yeah, it. Yeah, me it. too. It was a lot Sitting of fun. the Prius wasn't bad. I mean, we, it was like I had to drive. Yeah, that's right. We had a lot of fun. But uh, but I, I thought it couldn't have gone better in terms of uh, of the appearances we did. We had a great time doing Eddie Bravo Invitational, the sixth edition. By the way, the seventh edition is now set for, I believe it's July 16th at the Orpheum Theater back in uh, Los Angeles. I just was talking to Eddie via text uh, the last few days, and he was inviting us back out, thanking us for coming, and said he definitely wanted to have us uh, out there again in July, so we'd love to make that. Uh, you did uh, Fighter and the Kid with Brendan Schaub and Brian Callen. That episode went gangbusters. That episode, I mean, I made a big deal at the start of the show about us uh, having the privilege of being ranked number six on uh, iTunes Sports Podcast right now, and, and a, a sincere, sincere thank you to all the phone booth fighting listeners who have uh, put us there. We really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. But, Did you say that night, though, I was even ranked that particular show as top three? Yeah, that's what I was getting to, was their show, the show you did with them, actually today sat at number three on uh, uh, all episodes of sports podcasts and number 24 over all podcast episodes on itunes no kidding I yeah i know the 24 part that's yeah i mean it, it's a very impressive number and so uh that's i mean they do an awesome show obviously they're going to be a highly rated podcast anytime they they uh crack the mics but uh something about having you as a guest uh seemed to spike interest so uh nice job on that frank and then uh also Joey diaz had us on the church of what's happening now had both of us on that night we had a great time with him and you know Joey, Joey is a wild ride. Yeah, that was interesting. There is no prepping for Joey. There's nope. just he's going to sit down and go, and you don't know what direction he's going to. Like I, I liked I, it. it was, you know. Oh, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. No, I, he's to me he's like an eccentric uncle. You know that you look forward to seeing at the holidays. Because I think I've just, had some uncles like that. <laughs> he's going to just sit there and tell some stories. But like there was one point in that episode, and I think our episode was about two hours long. That whole thing he got into about what would happen if you were coming out of the 7-Eleven and the guy at the red box tried to knock you unconscious. And Jennifer and I were listening to that this 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 last <laughs> night, and it was like, good God. Like, it was just a, 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 a like a apocalyptic scenario he was painting. You know, he was like, let me tell you something, Frank Mayer. A motherfucker standing at the red box, cracks you on your head, you're dead. In today's world, you're dead. You don't know what hit you. A motherfucker could flip you over. Holy shit, man. Fuck you in your ass. Light your asshole on fire. That is a phenomenal impression. I'm glad you didn't break that out until right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is my genuine reaction. Holy shit. That was unbelievable. Thanks. <laughs> I didn't know you were able to do uh, <laughs> that voice like that. Only select people. <laughs> well, that one you nailed. <laughs> Holy cow, man. Wow. Thanks, man. All right. Well, you know what? If you want to hear the real thing and compare, download, uh, I, I believe the episode, well, I know the episode was posted on Tuesday. Uh, Joey Diaz, the church of what's happening now, him and his uh, great producer, Lee Syatt, had us on. We really uh, appreciate him doing it. And, and if that's not enough, uh, phone booth fighting's uh, mainstream media exposure week rolls on because today, as we post Frank on uh, this day, Friday, uh, you are the guest on Chael Sonnen's You're Welcome podcast. You just taped that today. How'd that go? I, I haven't heard it yet, so I'm yeah, looking no, forward to downloading awesome, it in know? the morning. Uh, Chael's, uh, you know, I always enjoy speaking with him, you know. Uh, I don't think he pulls any punches. He asks all the questions, and so I think that uh, 
uh, you know, I think that uh, makes it to where the fans are entertained. You know, he goes through and everything he talks about, everything from fighting career to USADA to mm-hmm. what I'm going to do now and go on to the future. You know, he was very, uh, you know, candid and it was a very open uh, conversation. Okay, yeah, that's good because I knew you were telling me he had he had talked about the USADA stuff with you, and that's good because Chael has had his own experience, yep. you know, and so I think he's got a very unique perspective on that. And I, I, I was quick to point this out last week, and I, I want to do it again just because I know we've got so many new listeners. But if there were people that were, were hearing any of the media appearances and they were thinking – well, Frank didn't, you know, he wasn't talking about what happened with USADA uh, on those shows. You were certainly willing to. They yeah. just didn't uh, bring it up for whatever reason. But if you want to hear, obviously, Chill and you talked about it on the episode that's posted today. But if you really want to hear the whole story, what you need to do is just go back about three episodes of Phone Booth Fighting. Uh, you'll see it's titled uh, Frank Mir Discusses USADA Test. And that was the episode just a few weeks back where you and I sat down right here on this very patio just hours after the news uh, had come in. You'd gotten the phone call, and we discussed, went through the whole thing, real emotional roller coaster ride. It's about an hour and ten minutes of unedited audio, not one single edit in it. So you're going to hear it exactly as the conversation happened, exactly as I experienced. And, and I asked Frank uh, every question under the sun I could think of about uh, the situation, and it's it's pretty much all there. So I so, uh, just want to let everybody know that because if they think that, that that does not, that content doesn't exist out there, as a matter of fact, it does, and it's right there in the uh, phone booth fighting uh, podcast feed. All right. Uh, you know, before we, uh, wrap up here, Frank, I just want to make a quick, uh, note of some of the reviews that have been coming in on our phone booth fighting, uh, iTunes, uh, page, because, you know, we've been asking people to go to the page, look up, uh, phone booth fighting in iTunes and, uh, leave a five, you know, click the five stars, give us a five star review if uh, you can and uh, if you feel it's warranted. And then also, if you have a moment, uh, leave a comment and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll read some I'm comments okay on the, the low-star ones, as long as you articulate what we can do to improve. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know what? It's funny because uh, we did get one. I got to read you this uh, review. This guy, we got, there's 25 reviews on there right now and 24 of them are five stars. Um, we got one four-star review. Okay. All right. What do we need to improve? Okay, so this guy says, and you can figure out which one of us he's talking about. It's titled "Ease Up on the Radio Voice" <laughs> by Ranger. <laughs> but Lump. I've been practicing so hard at it. No. <laughs> I think he's talking about me. He says, "I love the podcast and enjoy the commentary. Please chill on the announcer voice. It's almost cringeworthy." But here's the thing. He doesn't realize this is my voice. This is exactly how you talk. Yeah. Could you imagine you, you're in a car with me for four and a half hours driving from L.A. to Las Vegas, and you're not sleeping. This is the voice you're hearing the This is the voice. Time. Well, even in the hotel room. When, you know, we, even uh, that. That night we stayed up till two or three in the morning exchanging ideas. You were talking, and, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the same voice. Well, I'd but, have been kind of a little off if you had... I mean, if you do have a different voice, you do a great job of staying in character. This is all I got. What about when the alarm went off the next morning? Hey, it's 10 minutes after the hour. Frank Mir, time to get up and go. We got to get to the fighter in the kids' <laughs> studio. It's going to be about 35 minutes with traffic, so we got to get going. Traffic. Yeah, yeah it's not quite that bad. But no, it is. A, but you know what? I, it, it, you do just have a good voice because a couple of my friends and uh, a couple of the, uh, the girls all talk about how your voice sounds. And oh. just, 
you got a, a good voice. I like it, you know. Yeah, well, I guess I still, uh, I guess I still got it, you know. At least as long as I'm talking to him over the phone. When I show up in person, it probably gets a little uh, disappointing. <laughs> but anyway, you know, it's funny. My grandmother has told stories about uh, my grandmother, who you know is in her late 80s. By the way, she's got a birthday coming up. You know how I, how I know she has a birthday coming up? Because Frank Mir has a birthday coming up, and their birthdays are on the same day. So I got to remember to make you both a card on that day. But, uh, you know, my grandma's in her late 80s now, and she listened to the radio like back in the days of radio before television, you know. And so you would listen to dramas on the radio, just like you do, you watch them on television now. There would be like these actual detective dramas and stuff like that on the radio. I've seen it just because of watching movies and stuff, obviously. And she said that she was all, as a a little girl, she would be disappointed a lot because you could write off for autographed pictures of the people on the radio. And Uh. she said, you know, they always they always had these voices, you know, these very strong voices. And she said, you get this picture and it'd be like this little pipsqueak guy, you know, who had that See, big voice. You know, I don't know what they didn't do because they do it in reverse. You had a guy with a great physique. Mm-hmm. You know, they do voiceovers on, uh, you know, actors back in the day. In fact, yeah. I heard that like one of Arnold's first movies or something, they thought mm-hmm. his accent was too strong, so they had a voiceover. Yeah. So you think they could have did like, what is it, a picture over? You yeah. Know, they could have just had some kind of male model that, you know, some Adonis of a guy yeah. and just send that picture. And like especially, that way, just why kill the fantasy? I mean, right. especially back then, what were the chances that you were going to run into said voice at the local restaurant? Well, especially before the days of the internet, and yeah. there wasn't even streaming video. I mean, there wasn't even no. uh, you know really video. Or there was, was no way to do a fact check. I mean, yeah. up until the late '90s, I mean, until the internet really took on. Yeah, um, people could lie about being a Congressional Medal of Honor winner. Yeah, you know, nowadays, I mean, I was doing that up until last year, and I got uh, busted. But yeah. <laughs> nowadays, you can't say anything. Yeah. Because, no. I mean, I sit there and people go, oh, I have so many fights. You just pull out your phone and yeah. you hit the old Google <laughs> and <laughs> you, you can confirm or deny real quick on any kind of accomplishments anybody claims to have. Here's a couple of the five-star reviews on iTunes, Frank. Uh, uh, this one from Lord Pretty Flocko Jody. Uh, they say, uh, Frank, you big bad mother. Keep on keeping on. Love the podcast. I am a new subscriber, and you are now in the rotation, and I'll be all caught up soon. After hearing you on Fighter and the Kid and Joey's podcast, I had to check it out. Richard is funny and seems like a good combo for you. I wish you guys great success with the pod. Thanks for that. Uh, Here is one from GBus92570. He said, heard about this podcast on the Fighter and the Kid. I'm on the third episode there's a lot of info about MMA breakdown. Frank speaks very calm and clear and makes a listening enjoyable, unlike other podcasts where they speak over each other. Yeah, we don't have too much of a problem with that. We seem to be pretty good about uh, uh, the chemistry. Uh, how about this from Podcast Aficionado 8? He said, this is a pleasant addition to my weekly jiu-jitsu and MMA content. These guys are clearly dedicated to releasing content. It's entertaining, and I'll be recommending to all the jiu-jitsu guys. Keep it up. We appreciate that. And one more from uh, TMP iOS. That's his username. He says, it's always fascinating to listen to detailed descriptions of the intricacies of MMA fighting from a legend in the sport. Well, thank you for those kind words uh, to 
Oh, I, I think he means you. <laughs> I I think that That's one okay. might. I thought the radio voice was me, so I can see how we can mix it up. of him from a legend in this. Yeah, I think that one was uh, just specifically you. That's okay because the other ones gave me some uh, some credit. So thanks. All right. So uh, with that being said, uh, we're gonna put a wrap on this one, guys. Uh, I want to remind you one more time uh, to tell a friend. That's honestly. The I, I I Frank today I was emailing um, listeners back through our phone booth fighting Facebook page and uh, thanking them you know individually for listening but that's something I always just tell people I always just say you know what if there's just one thing you can do for us tell a friend and and spread the word and that's how we're going to gain listeners and and obviously that's how we're doing it and I know that uh, you know I'm I'm on their messaging and posting and things like that but I mean you have been genuinely blown away by the response that that we've gotten from this and when I hit you with these numbers you're like holy cow yeah I have uh, the fact that uh, as many people that are paying attention as uh, that we have already at this point was uh, surpasses anything I thought we would have accomplished when we first started this off um, uh, no clue that, that it would have this kind of following it's uh, it's very flattering that to know that you know that something we have to say or talk about is given consideration and people are interested in hearing what we have to talk about you know what I think is cool about tell me if you felt this like to me when you start seeing that kind of response you know, when we do this, we're in kind of a solitary situation. I mean, it's it's you and me and our, you know, on, on your back porch and our, our families are around. We're not completely alone, but it's not like there's a crowd of thousands. You know, no. we get Demetrius Johnson on the phone like tonight. He joins the party. But you, you know, I'm, I'm driving over here in my, my Prius with the, the road case. It's got our gear in the back and everything. And it sometimes it'll feel like it's just a a one-to-one a -one operation and in a lot of ways it is you know we're, we're driving back in the middle of the night from from uh, California to, to from LA to Vegas but when you when you see those numbers it's like tonight I'm driving over and I'm thinking you know I kind of got all these people with me you know and and as we sit here and talk I'm I'm kind of realizing that we're talking to all of them as we communicate you know it's kind of it, it made the realization of just making sure that we uh uh, it puts a little more pressure as far as doing a good job. Yeah, totally. And that's does, why we're yeah. you know, going through there and making sure that what we say still stays relevant and it's uh, of interest. Yep. Otherwise, it's just, you know, you know, no one wants to be just a flash in the pan. You know? No, I told your wife, Jennifer, I said, I'm stepping on the gas from here. I said, this is going to be this is going to be Frank's worst nightmare. I'm sure you'd hoped I'd just stop showing up by now. And now it's the contrary. <laughs> we're going to we're going to have more things uh, that we have to do to bring uh, quality content to yeah, you got her on board. Listeners. I mean, she flew me out from uh, Phoenix. We were there at my daughter's uh, softball tournament. I missed the second day of it to make sure we went through our media stuff. So no. um, she didn't bat an eye at it. So. it. It takes a village. We couldn't. You got you got your wife coordinating. Uh, uh, she's our travel agent. I got my girlfriend taking over the Snapchat. Everybody's playing a role. I'll pitch it in. That's right. We appreciate it. it takes a village. All right, guys. Once again, uh, follow us uh, on social media. Phone booth fighting on Instagram. Phone booth fight on Twitter. And that aforementioned brand new snapchat you can uh, follow him on twitter and instagram at the frank mirror you follow me on twitter and instagram at richard hunter subscribe to the podcast each and every week it's in itunes it's in stitcher you can also get it right there at phoneboothfighting.com leave that five-star review leave a comment and uh above all else please just tell a friend and support our sponsors real water get real at drinkrealwater.com also, Trent Cotney, TrentCotney.com, supporting fighters the world over. We couldn't do it without those guys either. So, uh, for 
my co-host, the two-time UFC heavyweight champion, Frank Mir. I'm Richard Hunter. We will see you right back here next week for another edition of Phone Booth Fighting. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought with Chinatown. They were chopping.